Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. Ephraim's next guest is director and editor Dave Parker. Hi, this is Dave Parker from Midnight Metal and the director of The Hills Run Red, and you're listening to the Atomic Podcast. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. Coming to you live from Genoa City, Wisconsin, where I blow up the news on a verbal scale. I am your host, Efren Guzman. My guest today, he needs no introduction. He's an editor. He's a filmmaker. He also co-hosts with Robert Meyer Burnett on Midnight Metal. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dave Parker. Dave, welcome. And how are you this morning, brother? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I am feeling very metal and fantastic and ready to conquer the world. <laughs> Especially on a Tuesday at the time we record this conversation, right? <laughs> Yes, especially, I, I am as ready as I'm ever going to be to conquer the world on Tuesday, November 2nd. <laughs> First of all, let me ask you, man, um, I guess people know who know you, um, how was your Halloween? Um, it was a bit messy. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it was, it was really good up to a while, but then we did this marathon show that lasted, like, seven and a half hours and uh by the end of it i was uh i was just not feeling it uh i told rob that i think he should probably cut some of that after like the third guest but um it is what it is uh but yeah not uh not one of our i don't think not one of our better shows but uh hopefully it will not come back to haunt me for the rest of my life oh. <laughs> You personally, is that the longest stream you've ever done? Like seven hours and 53 minutes? Is that like the longest stream you've ever done? Hell yeah. It was <laughs> I couldn't believe him. I mean, that's, <laughs> just, he, he, he won't stop. And, and and then I heard he did. And I heard he was like, um, asleep. yeah, I fell asleep in the chair. And the stream just kept going on for hours. I'm like, I'm glad I got done and off when I did because I don't want to, you know, Neither one of us should be doing that. So uh, let's say, as far as I'm concerned, that there's there's quite a bit of room for improvement. I think. Yeah, but um, you know, from the few complaints, you got a lot of people that love that type of stuff. So you know, something's going on right because I think it's more love than hate. So just you know, don't look at it like that. But probably seven hours is a little bit long, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't actually look at the comments anymore. Um, okay. And as far as I'm concerned, in anything with this business, you know, you can love it or you can hate it. It's when you're kind of in the middle and you're just going, meh, that that's, that's, the, uh, that's the reaction that you don't want. Yeah, that's true, that's true. So, Dave, tell me about yourself, man. Where are you from, man? Like, where are you originally from? I'm originally from Vermont. Wow, what a... That, that state <laughs> that most people think is Canada. Yeah. <laughs> And what a difference from Cali to Vermont, man. And um, how like how was your upbringing like? You had a great upbringing. You had a very like um, imaginative, imaginative childhood, like a teenage childhood and whatnot. Well, I escaped captivity at eighteen. And, oh wow! Um, <laughs> wow. So it was a little traumatic, actually. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> no. I had I had a pretty 
I had a pretty normal upbringing, especially for Vermont. You know, my my family was you know relatively you know conservative. Uh, so I was a bit of the uh, black sheep of the family, especially when I you know expressed my interest in uh, movies as much as I did and horror movies specifically. Um, I grew up on a farm, mm-hmm. so wow. I'm a farm kid. Um, had a lot of animals and, you know, that type of, you know, outdoorsy uh, type of life is uh, kind of how we uh, how we grew up, which was which was great. But there was always this pull to want to get into this business for some reason. I was and the thing is, it was always there was always a fascination with dinosaurs and monsters and wow. and movies, you know, from from as long as I can remember. Um, that's what, you know, there was just some sort of pull there. I would see, I remember being at my grandmother's house when I was really young and my aunt and my cousin, they had gone to Universal Studios. Yeah. And they were showing me pictures of that. And I was like, that's where I have to be. I have to go there. I have to be there. And that was, I was probably six at the time. So. So yeah, but you know, uh, you know, but family family was good. I mean, it, you know, it was you know relatively normal. We had you know, you know, we had our ups and downs and struggles and uh, you know some uh, dramatic events that happened you know in in my family and everything. But you know, my parents stayed together and until they both passed away and everything. So you know, I, I guess ultimately, relatively. Relatively pretty, a lot better than other people that I know. So, in that sense, I'm I'm lucky. Yeah, that's true because a lot of people come from like broken homes or whatnot, or you know, um, different situations. And you seen both your parents together, and you could, did you see like the love they have for each other, or was it just like a mundane type atmosphere? Or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you could tell that. They, I mean, they stuck it out for a long time, uh, <laughs> and it wasn't always easy. So that. There was love there, yeah, for sure. Oh, okay, okay. Now, the reason I bring that up, because some people, like, you know, like, you know, their parents are together, but it's like they're not together. So it's like, you know, kids, like, you know, like, I I came from a broken home, so, like, I noticed, like, my mom and my dad weren't really getting along, or, like, there was, like, a little tension there. And as a child, like, you see that, because, you know, even though, like, they'll try to cover it up, you see it as a child. That's why I asked, like, if you notice any, like, differences in that kind of aspect. Yeah, there was definitely, I mean, there were definitely times where there was tension there, and it was not, uh, Not it wasn't pleasant, and, you know, but again, you know, when you're at that age and everything, what are you gonna do? Yeah, that's not like, uh, it's not like, especially, you know, back then, it wasn't like you could just pack up and leave. (laughs) It wasn't that easy, so, uh, I remember times where I'm like, I'm leaving. Me, I wasn't, you know, abused verbally or emotionally the way, you know, today. I mean, you know, I, you know, if if you look through the lens of today, you know, maybe people would go, "Oh, that was a pretty uh, messed up way of growing up." Uh, It it just didn't seem that dramatic in any, you know, in that sense to me. So. Gotcha. Was you like the odd kid? Like, 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 did your family members, cousins, or whatnot like movies and film and horror as much as you did, or was you like the only one? Well, every, you know, I think everyone likes movies. I don't think I've ever met anyone who goes, "I hate movies." 
I absolutely hate them. I hate television. I don't yeah. own a TV. I don't. I don't. I don't think I've ever met a person like that. Um, funny enough, my mom was uh, was actually a big Universal Monsters fan. So oh. part of it, I part of it, I get to blame on her. And and during the time I was growing up, my um, my older brother and my mother at the same time were reading Stephen King and a lot of popular like sort of horror books and stuff like that. So. It, it was around. I just happened to show a lot more enthusiasm for it. So, uh, <laughs> in that sense, I was probably the odd one. I mean, you know, my family still loves movies and everything, and and for the most part, they also enjoy you know horror movies along with everyone else. It's just that you know I was just on another level with it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you know, everybody like follows the beat to their own drum. Like I remember, like I liked. Like, I'm a big wrestling fan, so I like wrestling a little bit more than some of my friends. I was like, oh, you watch that fake shit, or you watch that fake crap, but I liked it a little bit more. You know, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, you like you liked your your genre, your your films a little bit more than, like, say, some of your friends. Like, were they weren't as passionate as you were about no. it? Yeah. No, not at all. No. Oh. Uh, and that was the thing in Vermont, especially when I was going to school and everything. The one thing I was that, at least in my circle of friends and everything i was the only one who was interested in trying to make movies and do that kind of thing so gotcha gotcha that, that was something that was i mean most were uh, uh, their feet were on the ground more than their heads were on the clouds <laughs> yeah i understand that you know a lot of people just brought up basic find a job finish high school go to college get a job find something yeah you do that, it's, right? it's weird i don't know many people at that time you know uh, who were really like, you know, oh, this is what I'm really passionate about and I'm going after this. Um, they, you know, and I'm going to do something that I'm incredibly passionate about and that's going to be my career. Um, you know, that wasn't the case. A lot of people were getting, were getting jobs and going into careers that they, they knew um, would be, uh, you know, stable. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I guess is the best word to, to put it, so. Yeah, but there's also people that have passion for something, but they don't pursue it. Like, they just do, like, the mundane, like, I, I need to get a job that's going to have um, medical benefits, I'm going to have health care first, I'm going to have this and whatnot. You know, like, what we consider yeah, is the norm. Them. Yeah. <laughs> They're smart. Yeah. <laughs> so, what are you trying to say? You're not smart, man? That's what you're trying to say? No, no, this is... <laughs> Business yeah. to want to be in. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely crazy. You have to. You got to be. I mean, that's the thing. You have to be a little, uh, you know, wrong in the head. I think to to pursue this business because, you know, at first, you know, it all seems so appealing and glamorous and like, oh wow, movies and Hollywood and Los Angeles and all this stuff. Um, and the thing is, especially as a young impressionable kid now probably with the with the advent of uh shows like this and maybe with what midnight metal does where <laughs> rob and i can get incredibly uh honest about yeah. the business uh sometimes to a fault but the thing is i was sold a, a, a a bill of goods that just wasn't there. I mean, the fact of the matter is it's not just about, you know, you're not told that it's not just about coming out here and doing hard work that definitely 
helps and you can achieve things that way. But there is there's so much that is out of your control, unlike if you go to a regular job and just do a really good job at it, you will excel. You know, there is luck, um, there's randomness. I mean, I guess, you know, I guess everything is changing now because of, of the sort of diversity thing that hadn't really, I guess, been um, embraced much. But I never saw, I never saw that as a, as a thing, but why, you know, at the time, but why would I? Because, you know, here I am, I'm a, a white male, so mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have felt it anyway. Um, which is, you know, probably wrong on my part, but the thing is, it's incredibly hard to be in this business. Uh, the amount of hours that you, you know, put in, I mean, we're starting this podcast, you know, half an hour late because I was up till 4am doing work. Um, that doesn't happen every day now, Mm -hmm. but it, but it's it's more common than not, and uh, you know most people would be like after eight hours they're like fuck that I'm not I'm done I'm done for the day it's like eight hours I've never had an eight hour day wow it's always twelve hour days probably yeah at, at a minimum ten a ten hour work day yeah. Yeah, so your hours are different schedules from the average nine to fiver, pretty much. Like you know, you have different. Yeah, there is yeah. no there is no nine to five. Yeah, there's like random times and whatnot, right? It's yeah, it's just like here's your deadline, get it done, and you put in the hours that you have to. Whether I mean, if you're fast, fine. If you if you can be really fast, but you know, editing wise, depending on how much footage you have and everything, there's only so fast you can go. So, um, yeah, it's. Uh, there's a lot more challenges than uh, I had been ever led to believe. Gotcha, gotcha. And um, from Vermont, like, take me back a little bit. So how did you get to California, and um, did you go to school out in Vermont, or you went to school out in California for your ambition, for your passion? Um, yeah, I applied to uh, USC Film School and okay. and and was – accepted into USC, the regular school, not the film school. Uh, but that's what got me out here. Mm, okay. uh, so, yeah, so I came out here and, you know, freshman year, you know, it's, I, well, I guess it was rare enough that it was like, you're lucky you're, you're, you're here anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so going into just, USC and taking film classes and everything was sort of the first step. Um, but after the, during the course of, of that first year, mm-hmm. uh, my professor told me one day that it's like, you know, you, you probably should just start working on movies instead of spending, wasting your money, you know, here because, you're not interested in knowing the theory. You want to do it, and USC is and was designed very much to be a very studio uh, kind of environment wow. with their with their kind of education in, in the film business. Um, and because I liked horror and everything, I think this professor just expected me to just be 
more of an independent guy, which I, I guess he's right, though I you know, would much rather be doing uh, the stuff on a studio level just because of what that allows you to do, which is make a living uh, in that sense. But um, So yeah, but that's what got me out here. And then uh, the next year, instead of going back to USC, I just moved out here. And within two weeks, I was working on my first film. Holy shit, in two weeks? Damn. Well, not the right. I was I was a uh, props assistant on a film. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, I moved out here in two weeks and I was directing movies. Yeah. No, it was like it was many, many, many years before I got a movie. Yeah, but you got your foot in the door pretty much, though, right? Just being the props director thing, right? Yeah, but it, yeah it helped. I, I, I definitely learned uh, a lot on that shoot and I made some good connections, which... You know, in this business, really, that's what is about. That could be that could be the main thing. It's yeah. like who you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you have to know what you know, and you have to be able to back up what you say. But who you know is going to be the person that's actually going to get you in the door. Yeah, it's almost like a regular person for a job interview. Like if you know somebody at the job and you know how to do it and you had the experience, you're pretty much a shoe in. Like if you're getting recommended by somebody, pretty much, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Oh wow, man! That's 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 amazing. Like, do you like even living in California? You being the only Parker out there by yourself. Do you ever like, like, do you ever have sometimes regret? Like, you miss your family. You miss a lot of stuff, like with your family in life or whatnot. Like, do you miss a lot? Did you miss a lot of things? I don't. I don't think so. Oh wow! Really? Um, okay. Uh, you know, I mean, I I mean, obviously, I stay in touch with my family. It's not like I moved out here and never saw them again. Uh, you know, I, I would, I would go back home. Um, yeah, it was weird when I was 18, uh, you know, uh, it just, I, I, whether it's, um, whether it's a selfish thing or not, I, I always, because I always knew from a very early age what I wanted to do. I think I was internally just sort of ready to, to, to give up that, uh, daily family, um, aspect of my life and you know in a way uh a lot of the people that i meet that i met out here uh became my family they became they became my support group and my family uh when my real family couldn't be there Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. I understand that because I came from, um, I lived in New York and moved out to Wisconsin, so it's like the people you meet, not that they replace your family, but it kind of makes you forget because you're, you're as long as your mind is occupied, you're not really thinking about back home pretty much, right? Right, I mean, I'm yeah. just, you know, on the day-to-day, and that's the thing here, yeah. you know, here in Los Angeles, or probably anywhere where you move away, you know, life life tends to just fill, fill up. Yeah, it goes on. You aren't, you know, you're not really uh, thinking about it. I mean, I, I mean, if if it had happened where I was just incredibly homesick, and and there were definitely times where it was like, oh man, I don't know, is this? uh, But that actually happened. That happened later on, where I was like, I don't know if this is the right thing for me. And but then that was years, if not decades, before. You know, I ask those questions, at, you know, at times where I'm like, mm. <laughs> but, you know, at that point, you're like, oh, what am I going to well, what, what the hell am I going to do now? I've invested so much time in this and I don't really know anything else. So I kind of have to make it work. So so I did. Yeah. Uh, but, but that's the other thing, too. It would be like 
if I moved back home, it would be like moving back to the way it was in high school. It was like no one was going to have the same passion I, I was. I mean, what would I, what was I going to do? You know, start teaching film? <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm like, the right person for that. I don't know if I know enough of the right things. I don't want to, you know, guide people into like, why did you tell me this? This was awful. I wanted to be a studio director and you don't want to know anything about that. And I'm like, well, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. So I, I you know, I, I, I think you know, before, before that career path happens, I, I need to uh, have a little more experience before I could probably, you know, impart any knowledge on anyone that's actually useful yeah um, but being you know so you know you was working on on the the film like you said you got the hook up there and then what what led to you in your directing role um soon after i were I, I you know on the first movie that i worked on i i met uh, a lot of people i mean a lot of connections mm -hmm. uh who were in the I guess say B movie world. Yeah. And through those connections, I got in the door at Charles Band's company, Full Moon Entertainment. Mm -hmm. They they created the Puppet Master series. Yeah. They were they were sort of at the time neck and neck with Roger Corman's company as far as doing B movies and B movie output and and visibility and popularity. Yeah. Um, and. So I got a job there as uh, an editor's assistant on the promotions end, doing the you know working on the trailers and the behind the scenes material there, and I worked in that position for a number of years. And the nice thing at the time with that company was internally they were very open to people doing other things as well. So early on. I was working on uh, scripts and script ideas as well for them. I was very, very motivated and very ambitious, and I let them know right away. And I just, uh, you know, I liked their, I liked their ideas. I, I, I thought a lot of the stuff that that uh, Charlie Band came up with were really fun. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and I was just like, I was earning and learning, as they like to say. Um, through that whole time and just really, you know, exposing myself to the, you know, production process, being able to go on sets and interact with not, you know, be able to talk to actors and talk to the directors and sort of just watch what people were doing as well as doing my job. Uh, that, yeah, that it was a, it was a great opportunity. And after a good good amount of years there where I, I was incredibly happy because it was there were times they were making three movies a month Jeez, um, wow. at, at the studio. Uh, but Charlie Band knew from early on that I, what I was there for was to learn how to direct and direct. And, you know, he held that carrot out for as long as he could until it was like, okay, I, I think I'm ready. And then that led to the first movie I did, which was The Dead Hate the Living. Yeah. Wow. It, it's it's funny how like 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 everything like you you like you you said the key word is about connections. You got connected and connected with somebody. Not to say that you didn't do it on your own merits, but it's on who you know as well, which is the key thing that you said. Like you know, you like if you think you didn't know these people, would you have been at the spot you're at now? No. 
No. Okay. No, because you know, I mean, I would have been in a different spot because I would have made other connections. But that's the thing. It's yeah. it's you know, having that connection to people is what helps to get through the door. Yeah, gotcha. And a lot of the time, you know, uh, you know, ninety nine percent of the jobs that I have had in this business is been referrals. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. See, that's that's that 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 that's amazing. Like it's like, and it's funny because everybody you met sort of led you, helped you along the way to getting where you're at now. That's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And how was your meeting with Rob? Did he refer you? That's how it was. Like, how did you guys meet? I know you talked about it before, but if you want to give me like the condensed version, how did you guys met? I met Rob, I met Robert at USC. Uh, yeah. There there was a uh, there was a weekly screening at the theater there, the Norris Theater, and he was he was in line and uh, sorry for the plane. That's okay. <laughs> I'll let that let me let that go by. Hopefully you can edit this out. Yeah. Um, so I met Robbie USC. We were both seeing a movie at the Norris Theater at the time, and so I met him there, and then. Um, just occasionally would bump into each other. And then when I started working at full moon, there was a point in time where our lead editor in promotions, Daniel Schweiger was also looking for, uh, well, Rob came in to help Dan. Cause Dan also wanted to make movies. Uh, and he, and, and Dan ended up taking over this movie called arcade that was problematic in the sense that there were at the time a lot of visual effects that weren't done and so rob came in with the star of the movie who was peter billingsley and then they spent time re-editing the movie from scratch uh, you know under dan's supervision yeah so they did that. So he was, so Rob was in the full moon environment. We got to know each other better. We definitely had a, a, a kinship. And as, as everyone who talks or sees Rob knows that he can always find some aspect, uh, to connect with people on, uh, the most, it could be the most out of, out of whack kind of, you know, thing, but Rob knows, so much and can talk about everything so um yeah we just struck up a friendship from there and uh and then we worked together on on some promotion stuff for for a good while we were doing behind the scenes stuff we were doing trailers we were doing making of stuff and uh having a having a pretty good time with that as well and um then it just grew from there then he then he left full moon and you know Pretty soon after, he was making Free Enterprise. Yeah. Oh wow! And then, and then, also the roads came back with him again when you both collaborated together on the Hills Run Red as well, right? Yeah. Well, before that, so Rob went and he did Free Enterprise and got that movie made. Yeah. And then I went and made my first movie, got that made, and the thing that you realize, especially when you're making low budget movies, is like, oh well. As much as you hope, it's like, well, I got my first movie. Now now it's going to be easy street. Now I'm going to be directing all the time. And, yeah. you know, especially when you're in the B-movie world, that's not always the case. Um, gotcha. And so both of us had to go back and do 
editing jobs. And through the course of that, in a couple years, uh, Rob had worked on Lord of the Rings, and then he got the opportunity to produce uh, special features for The Usual Suspects. Mm-hmm. And he called me in to edit that stuff for him because he couldn't do it all. Oh, wow. So we, so we started doing that. We started working together on special edition uh, DVD at the time uh, content. Mm-hmm. And then while we were doing that and working on Superman Returns, The Hills Run Red came about. Yeah. Uh, and, and then we got that. And and over the course of three years, it went from being a a low budget, like two hundred and fifty thousand dollar movie to uh, a Warner Brothers uh, Dark Castle picture made for quite a bit more. Wow! And I know you talked about this experience so much, but I have to ask you: How was the experience like for you? Um, it was. In- incredibly daunting it was educational it was uh frustrating it was challenging it was yeah. incredibly rewarding uh at times but it was definitely um it was playing a, it, it, it was playing and working on a, on a incredibly different level and one that you were tested every single day this uh, you know it was amazing for such a small low budget movie uh the amount of eyes and input that were on it and uh you know it's just kind of funny because you know in your head you always think well look i know this genre better than they do i know you know if they just listen to me and well part of that's true Mm-hmm. That's not that's not always going to be your reality, um, especially when the last thing I saw you do was some low budget zombie thing that was not Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. So you know when you're walking in and you're not a wonderkin, you know they definitely appreciate that you have a vision and that you're capable. Uh, they're going to make sure you don't fuck it up. Yeah. So there was a lot of input. Um, again, at the end of the day, there's a, a lot of really rewarding things about uh, the experience of making that movie. Um, And then there are things that, you know, which I think you ask almost every director about their stuff. They're going to go, and then there's stuff that is absolutely painful and I hate it. And, uh, you know, I I cringe every time that I see it. So, you know, I I think the thing that I probably lament too much Is that I wish that it actually had led to something. You know, each time I get to do one of these things, there's always that hope. You know, you're always, the thing is, to use a very old term, you're always, it seems like until you actually catch it, you're always reaching for this brass ring. Yeah. And and it's just, you know, just to be honest, it's just one of those things that has, like, just been right out of my reach. Things, it's like, again, you know, all the pieces just haven't come together in the right way uh, to provide that thing. Whether it's, you know, whether the movie's, you know, good enough or not, or whether the script was good enough, or the marketing, you know, things that are out of your control. Um, because here's a great example. There, there's a, uh, 
there's a movie that came out a couple of years ago, which is a much lower budget than Hills Run Red, and I, you know, to me, I find it to be a fascinating case why this thing sort of hit, especially with genre phantoms, called Terrifier. Yeah, and yeah. It's it's gotten that character and everything else has gotten much bigger than Hills Run Red, which was you know. It was a, a direct-to-video studio film, but it was. It was a studio film. And so it's it's interesting to me, and that's not to take anything away from Terrifier. In fact, it's, it's meant to complement them because I don't know what they tapped into so well, I, you know, how it works, where, you know, they've got action figures and masks and T-shirts, and, you know, it's a yearly thing with this thing. And, and uh, yeah, you know, Hills, which I think has a really cool-looking uh, mascot or, you know, character in it, uh, none of that has happened with. So, so and, and that's, again, it's not, at the time, probably early on, there was probably sour grapes with that, to be honest. But, you know, now it's just, like, you got to move on, uh, at least hopefully. I, I don't, I've seen people who hold a grudge for way too long, and it just, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but then the thing is, too, a lot of people will say to me, including Rob, going, um, yeah, but, you know, you only see the bad in, in the stuff that you do and everything. And it's it's not, you know, to be honest, it's not that I just see the bad in the movies uh, or the downfalls of it. I'm just way more honest about what the thing, the end result is than a lot of people, I think. And it's it's really not meant to come off as like pessimistic or defeatist, but Rob is definitely more of a rose colored glass guy than I am. Yeah. And I don't think having these sort of rose colored glasses on the stuff that you do is particularly helpful. Yeah. Gotcha. Maybe that's wrong, but I I also, I I find it suspect that people who are eternally positive, I'm like, <laughs> like what's the, the catch? Way, this, yeah. As hard as this business is, there's something, uh, you know. No offense, and you know, give me your elixir, give me your secret, because I'd rather be that way. But I just find that to be almost impossible in this business. That doesn't mean you can't enjoy things. I mean, I know people who don't like to watch movies because they're other people's movies, mm-hmm. any movie, because they're so competitive. Because it's like. Well, why didn't I get to do that movie? And it's like, I couldn't live that way. Wow. That, yeah, if you, I think if you lived that way, you'd probably be miserable for the rest of your life. Like, you're, you know, like, that's... That would just... I mean, yeah, I, I, the bottom line is if you, you know... And there was a time where... I mean, if I'm going to be really candid here, there was a time here where I probably was pretty miserable. Um, wow. I would still watch movies and everything, but yeah. I was because I was like, I wasn't, and I'm still not where I want to be professionally in any mm-hmm. sense. And, you know, the bottom line is I don't know if I'm going to be at this point, but I finally had to sort of say, look, if that's the way you're going to be, then just get out of the business now and find something else to do because life is too short just to sit here and put all this effort in just so you're miserable. It's just not, you know, it's not worth it. And, and yeah, and there are definitely times where it's like, is it worth it chasing, chasing this dream, you know, considering the amount of sacrifice that you do have to give? And I think, you again, you can talk to almost anyone in this business. And the people who tell you differently are probably more well-adjusted. 
but there are so many who, you know, honestly just aren't that sacrifice so much for this. Um, I really admire the people who have more of a balanced, you know, life and family life and everything else along with this. Um, Again, their opportunities have been different. I have to deal with what I've been given or what I've achieved and then work from that and hopefully get to a more balanced place. To me, it always feels like you're on a – it's like you're standing on a (laughs) teeter-totter. Yeah, you're balancing out. And And you're trying to get that, you know, that sweet spot where literally you're just, you know, you're not up or down. It's just like you're, you're right there. Um, and hope that it happens before you're, you know, in the grave. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get, you know, I get what you're saying. Like, like, I, I think you're your own worst critic, right? Like, like you just pretty much dissect what you could, you could have done better than, than like, you know, like you see like, the flaws, in your opinion, you see the flaws of what you could have done, right? Pretty much. Yeah, I do. I mean, yeah. I see the successes too, but yeah. I don't think anyone's going to be. I don't think anyone's going to be there a harder critic on themselves than you are. Yeah. Um. I, at least maybe maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I don't think so. But again, I could be harder on myself than. Than most, I can admit that. Um, yeah. Again, I'm not I'm not perfect, but um, it's because I want to do better. And and the thing is, in my head, I see how things can work, and and you know maybe that maybe that's the delusional part where you you know where you're in your mind's eye, you go, oh, I know exactly how it should be, and either what you're seeing in your head is out of whack and you just don't realize it, or it's of such an idealized level that with your budget or your schedule, you're just not able to achieve, but you can achieve moments of it. Like, I mean, and, but, and they're weird moments too. Like, okay. Like for Hills run red. Yeah. The killer. There you go. That's what my, that was what was in my head, yeah. and that came out almost exactly the way I pictured it in my head. Wow! If there is one thing that has probably lasted with that movie, is that character, and that's it. Yeah. So, so yeah. So you get little moments, and you're like, "I can do this. I really can. See, see, I can do." <laughs> but um, but yeah. again, a movie's made up of many little moments, so. Yeah, and the thing is, you can say a character was created out of your brainchild, and it's something that's going to be embedded with you for the rest of your life, pretty much. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and in a way, and, and, and that's a good thing, you know? Like, that's a good thing. Not anybody could say, hey, I created this memorable character, and it's memorable for a lot of people, you know? so That's true. Um, right. But it always hurts when you put your when you put your child out there in front of people and they're they're shunned. Yeah. You know. But again, I think I think with with some age, with some experience, with some perspective, um, one you stop listening to critics. It's harder to mute your own voice, but yeah, you can really kind of stop listening to critics and, and, and putting a lot of uh, validity in what they say because they're just you or me. They're just an opinion. Yeah. You know? 
Um, you know, I don't think that there gives one person more validity with their opinion on someone else's work, no matter how long they've been doing it. It's like, unless you've actually done it yourself, mm-hmm. you don't know what it's like. Yeah. So to take criticism uh, so personally, which yeah. I've done at times, is kind of really silly. If who you're listening to and their opinion, they've never set foot on the set before, they don't know. And they'll argue, well, I shouldn't have to, you know, it should be. And, and to an extent, you're right. But that's the thing with as many little moments as it takes to make a good movie, there's just as many opportunities for things to go even slightly awry. And, you know, it's the butterfly effect. I mean, literally, one little thing can shift the course of, of so many things on, on a film that you'll never get back on that right track. Yeah. Um, and that can be completely out of your control. I mean, that can, that can be uh, the studio going, well, well, we want you to use this actor or this actress. And you're like, but they're wrong for the role. Well, we don't care. Yeah. You know, they have enough name value yeah. that we can make sure we sell this thing. Mm-hmm. And whether they're right or wrong for the role is out of your control. Yeah, they have as, final say. It's just an example. And then you have to try to make that work as best you can. Yeah. yeah you got to make chicken salad out of chicken shit, pretty much. You know, you got to just roll with it because yeah. you know, they have final say. So you just got to. Right. Yeah, gotcha. I gotcha. Unless, unless you're paying for the movie yourself. <laughs> yeah, then you have free free reign to and do what that, you want. Yeah. That ain't easy. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not... I don't recommend that. I don't. I, I I did that. I did that once after Hills. Um, and while there was a lot of things that were really uh, rewarding about it, um, the movie suffered because of lack of budget. Because you were paying for it yourself, and I was being incredibly conservative about how much I was going to spend. I was not going to be one of these people that makes a movie, and I'm in debt for the next ten years. I wasn't going to do that. I was only going to do something like uh, we're doing it as an experiment. Mm-hmm. So I'm only spending a, a certain amount of money and that's it. And we're capping it at that. And uh, I, that part was good. But the film itself at times suffers greatly from lack of budget. Yeah. But again, I have to look at it as like, well, we set out to do this as an experiment and we did it. And the, the benefits, the things that I learned from it, outweigh the way you know the way I might feel about the the end result of the movie which is again it's got moments but it's kind of a uh, little scatterbrained and uh, but there again there are many behind the scenes reasons and choices for that as well I mean th- that's the that's the thing like Especially in the movie business, every choice that you make when it comes to a project and everything affects other things. Just like I said, there really is so much um, butterfly effect kind of syndrome in this business that uh, it's it's definitely interesting. Yeah. You know, an experience is always the best teacher. So, you know, you pretty much learn doing your own product. Like, okay, this is what I need to know next time. Or, you know, if this happens again, I know what to do. And you're the only reason you're conservative is because this is all on you. It's all on your plate. So. Well, with that one, yeah. And I think that's, but I think that's true with life, with, with, with everyone. I think that's a universal truth. It's like, yeah. you always learn by making mistakes. Yeah. Uh, and 
to learn not to do it the next time. Yeah, and, but that's, but know, there, just being lucky enough that the mistakes aren't catastrophic. Yeah, but there's some people that keep making the mistakes and they don't learn from it too, though. Like, you saw not everybody will learn from their mistakes. They'll just keep doing it, you know? Yeah, and the people who do learn from their mistakes go on to make other mistakes. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. is there anyone who's uh, who's perfect at this? I don't know. I haven't met them yet. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, but they're but what they're they're better at is the appearance that they aren't making mistakes. Yeah, keeping the facade alive. Yeah. I yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is which is great. It's like you know there is something to be said about like mm, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> you know, just pay attention to the great Oz in front of you, and yeah. you know, and do that. And I, you know. Uh, I think that's what, but I think that's the thing. I think that's what what ultimately is appealing, especially in this day and age of people who do podcasts, uh, people like Rob who have their own show. It's definitely something that I'm learning and making a lot of mistakes on. Being on Midnight Metal is, uh, you know, there's a point where we could be revealing, or at least I feel, way too much about ourselves and what people want is they want fantasy. Yeah, they want the they want the image, and uh, you know when you start getting a little too uh, real, that's not necessarily what people want, and I I, I completely understand that. Oh man, it's it's like it's it, it's like it, um, do you figure it like it's a, like a never ending cycle? Because it's like, have you figured like you psychologically fucked up yourself in a way? Not like you fucked up yourself. Um, work-wise, but I mean, like, like the, the the insights you have now and being part of the film industry and the experience you have, do you feel like you're, you're like, in a melancholy-type life now? Like, do you feel, like, the pressure sometimes? The, like, like are your emotions all in, mixed up in a way? Um, sometimes, yeah. Yeah? Sure. Um, whether that's, you know... Whether that's growing up and that's what, you know, becoming adult is, figuring out your shit or, yeah. you know, maybe being a stunted, you know, adult and still having to figure out your shit. Um, I think the other thing is, too, that the the more time that goes by and everything else that th there there's this weird ebb and flow of like keeping the pressure on and keeping and and, and then sort of letting it slack at times. Uh, mm -hmm. The drive is at times uh, lessened because. I mean, you do get beaten down a lot yeah. by life, and that's just anyone in general. True. Um, so, I think I think everyone is probably their own worst enemy at these things, and I don't want to sit here and say that I'm always uh, melancholy, though some probably would argue that, and you know, <laughs> I probably shouldn't even be admitting that on on here. But I mean, but that's the but that's the reality. Everyone has their ups and downs. Um, yeah, true. I think the thing is really uh, the best thing to do, and it's, uh, you know, it's like, uh, don't do as I say, do as I do, yeah. uh, is keeping your nose to the grindstone if you want to do this and really just uh, shut up, get out of your own way, do the work. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, it's like, and, and, and honestly, yeah. and, and there are times when I say this too, to 
myself all the time. Find something to have fun with with this. Otherwise, why are you doing it? Now, I you know again, depending if people watch the show or listen to this, don't get me wrong. I do, I do enjoy it. I love it. If I didn't really love this, I wouldn't put myself through twenty years of torture, which it has not been torture. There have been rough times. Um, but I don't want to make it all sound like, oh, it's so torturous to do this. Then yeah. it's like, well, then get that, get the fuck out. Then this is ridiculous. <laughs> don't do this. Yeah. You know, you know, because at the end of the day, you're going to be in a straitjacket in a little room, <laughs> uh, either literally or figuratively. And it's just like, that's not, that's not worth it. Uh, you know, everyone deserves to find their happy place. And, uh, the, the thing is, you know, and I, I, do have fun with, with things and I do enjoy myself yeah. uh, in, this, in working in this. Uh, but I mean, that's the thing you have to, you have to find that, that happy stuff and adapt to it. And uh, yeah, you know, because like I said before, life's too short. Um, exactly. But again, you know, but this is this is the dangerous stuff when when you get on a show that runs for seven and a half hours long. <laughs> Sometimes the the you know yeah. the, the the co-host brings out the uh, who knows you very well brings out some of uh, of your your darker thoughts and sides, and that's not really uh, that's not entertainment. And and yeah. you could even like you know fool yourself you know under the guise of of dead brain cells or something that, Oh, but I'm providing a service of letting people know how it really is. It's like, yeah, you know, stop it. You know, it's not one, it's not that bad. And two people don't, you know, okay. people got enough of, you know, the real world that they're, they're, they're coming on to be entertained. So yeah, just, just entertain. Yeah. But I, you, you know, <laughs> you know, but you know, again, I, I mean, that's the thing I'm giving you, like, I'm giving you very candid, very, very honest, you know, answers. And I could have just, I could have bullshit my way through this, and this might be more of a, a fun listen to people if I said, oh, my God, this is so great. Everything was amazing, and we all were traveling the world and, you know, staying in these incredible places and seeing these things that, you know, no one's ever seen before and been on, you know, $200 million budgeted movies and, and, and watched all this stuff go down and hang out with the, you know, big stars and stuff. All that's true. Mm-hmm. But you didn't ask that either. <laughs> you know how they, you know, the old saying, "Truth is always better than a lie." So, like, I'd rather have you be real deal than phony baloney, honestly. <laughs> right. Oh man. So I, I know you keep emphasizing the seven hours. I know that shit was fucking probably grueling for you, but um, wow, though, like, you know, I think. I think people saw a different side of you. Not that you, uh, not, not, not. I, I, again, I don't even want to know. Oh, okay. Okay. I got you. I don't, I mean, no, you can, you can say what you want to say. I'm not going to look for feedback on say that, that yeah. particular thing is a yeah. blur. 
Yeah, it was just very honest. That's what I loved about yeah. it. I just loved your honesty about it and your rawness about it. And, you know, I think... It was it was raw, that's for sure. Yeah. I can't remember that much. Yeah. And, 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 and I know you probably don't think it was appreciated, but it was for some people. It definitely was. It's for, a, yeah, for, for four or five people. <laughs> uh, I think a little bit more than four or five. I think it's past... Well, that's, my... good. that's good, I, but I, I don't... I don't intend to be quite that, you know. I'll be, I'll be honest with people, but I don't intend to be that, like that. Uh, that blunt. Again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, otherwise, I'm not. Or otherwise, I just won't do the show. Yeah. It's oh. like, yeah. There's no, there's no point in doing this. Yeah. You're like, oh, nah. not, You know, that kind of thing is not enjoyable. And the other thing is, is like, then your Sunday is just done. Yeah. Pretty much. There's not yeah. much I could. There's not much I really did on, you know, the next day because. It was just, you're too wiped out. Man, yeah. But you see, like, God, Halloween is only once a year, so you know that's not going to happen again for a long time. (laughs) No, 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 that's true. Hopefully there's not a Thanksgiving or Christmas marathon that you guys are going to do, so it won't be that bad. (laughs) No, luckily I am part of a a Christmas marathon, but that is with uh, my friend Adam Green, and they do uh, Yorkie-thon, and that's at Ariescope.com. If I'm going to give a little plug here. Yeah, sure. Live. He does a live 48-hour marathon that has guests on, musical guests, celebrities, uh, live script readings, um, which are fully uh, performed by a, a cast of, of actors. Uh, so many things. There's you know charity auctions, charity auctions, and it's all to save dogs. Wow. So. That's the that's the only marathon I'm doing. I don't think we're gonna be doing a, a Christmas spectacular. Uh, I'm sure we'll we get to keep it down to like about three hours. I think at most. Wow. I don't know who. <laughs> well, I doubt that. It is, so I guess it's not seven hours on that one. <laughs> not at all. No, yeah. no. Uh, you know, for Rob and me, it's it's not gonna be. There's not gonna be another seven hour one. Uh, at least not for me. Rob can do. I always say Rob can do. He could go twenty four hours if he wants to. That's fine. That's not going to be me. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Um, Dave. Um, so for this year, um, otherwise, how has been? How you know we're closing down almost on the end of the year. So far, how has been this year for you? Uh, the the year's been good. There's a you know, luckily, um. Luckily, there's been, you know, a, a fair amount of work, uh, which is good. That takes me, uh, you know, I'm working now, and that takes me through into next year. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm writing, I'm working on projects, and, you know, hopefully I'll have uh, a little luck and a couple connections that can maybe get that stuff through in a way. Um, you know, you got to keep trying. Um you know, it's weird because we are kind of almost closing out on the second full year of, of a pandemic where the world yeah. is still different and is always going to be different. But, you know, the fact that, you know, uh, I'm approaching the second year of just like working from home, which is odd. Yeah. You know, in a way. Um, and that just normal. What, what normal was is not normal anymore. So a lot of things have changed, but, uh, yeah, I've, you know, I've been doing,
doing more. I've done I've done a couple short films uh, and plan on doing more of that too. And and you know again, just I guess in that sense it's been sort of uh, re-energizing, which has been all positive. Yeah. And hopefully you know, hopefully some of this stuff with with doing with doing the show with Rob will you know potentially uh from here on forward lead to uh to lead, lead to good things where um you know we can start actually getting re- really kind of into a a, a a positive groove with that uh, you know in a way where we can really like you know do stuff that is is way more uh enjoyable for us and and you know the audience that honestly we're incredibly lucky to even have yeah so so yeah it's all you know for the most part it's all been good sweet is there anything that you miss doing in vermont that you can't do in california getting away from it was much easier to you know get away from all the the noise Mm -hmm. there you know yeah you know it's not a two and a half hour drive to the mountains it's you know 20 minutes you know um you know, I miss – look, there's there's a simplicity Yes. there. People – you know, things move slower. Yeah, at a slower pace, and, yep. and there And there's there's a, there's kind of a, a peacefulness about that that I, that I kind of miss. Um, I miss skiing there. Skiing is different. Um, I miss – and, I, and I, 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 I miss the seasons. I miss the changing of the seasons. You know, in California, you get, you know – summer and spring with a little couple gray days here and there in the fall and that's about it um so yeah i do miss the the change of the seasons wow so as well so you miss wearing a north face jacket and a bubble jacket and like galoshes and like (laughs) yeah man and and, you know going out and your socks are wet and it's like but but like it's just you know, I, you know, miss the, you know, oh, I got to turn the car on 20 minutes before I leave so I can, oh. you know, scrape the ice off the window. Oh, my God. You know, all, all, that, all that amazing stuff is, is great. You know, hitting black ice when you're driving and, you know, <laughs> all, all, the, all the good stuff. You know, the, 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 the salt that they pour in the road rusting out your car. Oh, my God. <laughs> all of it. You know, it's all great. No, but. Oh, man. Well. Yeah, and the thing is, it's funny because people from California, when they're cold, they put on a sweater. <laughs> like it's like, all right, a sweater will make me warm up, you know. So yeah, exactly, so different from like, like you know, I'm living in Wisconsin now, and then you know we get, you know, we get different weathers here. Sometimes it's like really burning cold, and like right now I'm still wearing shorts in 50 degree weather because you know, right? It's like that's the norm, you know. It's like okay, I'll put on shorts. Well, you, have, you got thicker blood. <laughs> yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Um, winding down, Dave, um, what's been your highest highs and your lowest lows? Oh, get out of here. Lowest low was last, was, uh, was Saturday. Oh Should my I, God. I'm, no, I'm just... <laughs> Damn, it really affected you that much. Holy shit. <laughs> no, it was, uh, I, I don't lowest lows. Ah, boy, I don't know. That's, uh, I try. I try. I, I, I. Ironically, I try not to uh, to really think about that. Um, gotcha. That's fine. I'm sure. I don't know. Uh, the highest high was, uh, you know, highest high. This will sound funny. Yeah. Pro- 
probably being on top of a mountain in New Zealand, looking down at an entire film crew shooting on that mountain. Wow. With special effects and crew members and all that stuff, just literally having to helicopter up to the location to shoot at because you couldn't get there any other way. Wow, do you have a picture of that moment? Or that's a moment that's just embedded in your mind? I do have a picture. Not, I have a picture of me on the mountain. Not of the crew. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Big crew thing, but um, but I do have, yeah, I do have one that uh, someone actually took. Oh, that's... Uh, so th- in a way, that might be, that might be the, and the thing was, I wasn't directing. I was just, I was just shooting behind the scenes at the time. Uh, but but it was like, you know, it was kind of like, okay, this is, this is what's possible. Yeah. Uh, in, in an incredibly beautiful place, which, I, you know, I also love, you know, the nature aspect of it, too. It was like, you know, here's the great adventure, you know, of it all. Um, that was a high. Um, I know people are probably, you know, other people will go, oh, well, with the birth of my child, which, uh, you know, I guess, you know, my movies are my children. So there, there's a high. Yeah. Being in Bulgaria, seeing uh, the band Kiss, who played there for the very first time with 35,000 Bulgarians who had never seen them before. That was a high. Wow. That's fucking awesome, man. Woo. Um, you know, that type of thing. Um, being at Comic-Con in Hall H. Wow, that that was a high. Be not not. I mean, being on stage, yeah, presenting at, in Hall H, that was a high. Wow, what a state of euphoria you must have felt. Woo, that was pretty. That was pretty cool. It was intimidating. I mean, it's like it's so large you can't even see all the people, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was that was definitely a high. Um. Going to going to Spain. You know, going to the Sigis Film Festival with Hills, yeah. and being there for a week was was pretty was pretty great. See, you know, going going to the festivals, going to Fright Fest in the UK, that was a real high. Yeah. Um, showing showing Hills to a theater full of industry friends and everything. Uh, while nerve-wracking was pretty good because the reaction was... I mean, they were going to be very generous anyway, so the reaction was really great. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> lowest, <laughs> lowest, 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 you know. Yeah, I... I boy, I, I mean, I, I know I've had them, but I just, you know, I, I think, you know, like most people, you try to block that stuff out of your brain you know you should uh you know it's like whatever whatever it was i've taken i've taken what i've learned from it uh and 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 sort of pushed out of my mind because i don't really need to uh to remember the most recent one was probably doing the seven hour show (laughs) it goes back to the seven hour show (laughs) yeah always that 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 thing will that thing will curse me until i can get robbed to you know take it take it down or something, yeah. or something and he never will it'll it'll 
haunt me for the rest yeah. of my life. I think the best part of the show is him sleeping. I think that was just so amazing that you just put that I'm in. I'm so glad that I wasn't there for that because no matter how low Milo was that night, I didn't do that. <laughs> I did not pass out in front on the camera for four hours with people watching. I mean... At least I didn't do that. So, yeah, anytime, uh, you know, anytime I, I, I might be feeling bad, I can go, well, I didn't do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And my uh, my final question for you, Dave, is what would the Dave of today tell the Dave of yesterday? Oh, man, why do you ask these things? These things are, uh, um. What would I say today to yesterday to the to the Dave of many years ago? Yes, exactly, the Dave of Vermont, <laughs> teenage Dave. Yeah, uh, get a clue on how how much work you're going to actually have to put into this. Uh, anything that. Uh, you're going to achieve is going to take more discipline, focus, and work than you can possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. um, and go in with no expectations and then be surprised instead of going in with high expectations and being disappointed. Mm, that's good. That's really good. That's really good. Like, don't expect much from it. Do what you can, but don't expect the best. Right? Don't expect right. you're gonna be a millionaire. You know, like, yeah. Type I mean, I think if you, I think if you go into these things, and uh, you know that even you know, not cynical, but going into going into a movie and knowing knowing your stuff, knowing what you're gonna do and everything, but you know, being pleasantly surprised instead of disappointed because it's not exactly the way you picture it in your head. Because uh, unless you're Unless you're a master animator and you can do everything yourself, you're never going to get it exactly. Or you can command uh, so many resources to get it the, exactly the way you want, which is a rarefied 1% of the people who make movies. You, you know, then you're just setting yourself up for, for unnecessary disappointment. Gotcha. Gotcha. Amazing. Dave, thank you so much. I know we went a little bit over, but thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, this is the one, the only, the metal god, Dave Parker! Dave, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. And P.S., you. your seven hours was fucking phenomenal, man. You fucking killed it. So... <laughs> Don't don't be doubt about it. Don't fucking put your head in the fucking toilet and flush it. Your ass was awesome, man. And it's and and you know just just put your head up high and know that seven hours will never happen again. That's for sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's helped. That that's helped me get through this just a little more. <laughs> and you see, and I didn't do seven hours with you. We only did like an hour, so we're good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is easy. <laughs> and you don't have to get drunk with me, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was Dave Parker. You can catch him on Midnight Metal um every uh, Oh yeah, Dave, I forgot. Plug your plug your social media, plug any upcoming events you got going on. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Plug away. Oh, uh well, yeah, you can uh you can watch 
You can catch me most weekends. I, it, uh, it would be 12 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, I guess, technically, that's Sunday. Yes. Uh, Saturday going into Sunday at 12 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Midnight Metal. Most most of those times, there are times when I, I take a break. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Parker Vision, and that, that's really the only social media that I, that I keep up with. Okay. So yeah, uh, there, there we go. And then, uh, as far as far as like, oh, what to uh, what to look out for? Yeah, uh, that's that's all in flux right now. So I mean, gotcha. just check out check out the Hills Run Red. It's got an incredibly uh, uh, obnoxiously overloaded uh, Blu-ray from Scream Factory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tales of Halloween, which is uh, sort of now become perennial. That's you know. Available on so many free streaming channels at this point, like Tubi TV and probably Vudu for free, and yeah. God knows when it's on Shutter. So you can check that out if you want. I did the first episode of that. That's an anthology of ten stories. I did the first story called Sweet Tooth, yeah. uh, because everyone's probably still really in the Halloween mode. Uh, but yeah, um, that's you know, and hopefully you know. God willing, new stuff coming soon. Yep. Thank you so much, Dave. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Dave Parker. And I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks.